Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we hear from Dr. Lucinda McCory, who is a family doctor here in British Columbia. We hear her 15-minute presentation on marijuana and the body that she gave at this year's In Doubt live event, Let's Talk Marijuana. A joint has three times the tar, five times the carbon monoxide, 20 times the ammonia, and three to five times the nitrous oxide and cyanide compared with a typical cigarette. Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope you're all doing well. Before we get into today's show, I wanted to ask that you share with us how In Doubt has impacted you. Maybe a conversation piqued your interest and you know got you thinking critically, biblically, or maybe an article helped you in some way, or uh, our Bible study, Jude for the Faith, or an event like our recent marijuana event. Maybe it served some purpose in your life. Whatever the case, we'd love to hear from you. Others that hear about how our ministry has helped others is actually really helpful. And I don't know about you, but whenever I look at a new book, I go to the back cover and I want to look at the endorsements, or sometimes it's in the first couple pages. And in the same way, what you say about our ministry is incredibly helpful, not only to us personally, it's encouraging, but to others as well, just in the same way that if I like the endorsements of a book, then I'm going to probably read the book. Um, you can head to our new site at indout.ca and click the Contact Us button, and there you go. You can let us know. Anyways, this week's conversation is actually a presentation followed by two questions from a live Q&A from our recent Let's Talk Marijuana event. You'll hear a 15-minute presentation on marijuana and the body by Dr. Lucinda McCory. She gives dense and deep information, and it might feel like a, like a fire hose is in your face, and you may want to listen to this again. Um, this information is really important as we consider Canada's soon-to-be new laws regarding recreational marijuana. It's only right that we as Christians and non-Christians, if you're listening, that we're informed not only by the spiritual and biblical aspects of marijuana, but also the biological and physical aspects. So let's get into Dr. McCory's presentation. All right. So as a general family physician, I'm definitely not an expert in marijuana. I didn't learn anything about it in medical school. Um, but every day I encounter people who use uh, or have questions about using. I want to encourage them and I want to encourage us to have some critical thinking in our informed choices. And to do so tonight, I'm just going to go through some of the background information about marijuana and our bodies. Um, and ultimately, I just want God to get the glory for what we do as Christ followers. So in preparing for tonight, I asked a colleague of mine who works in youth mental health uh, for some feedback and some insight. Uh, he felt that essentially all the facts that he'd read that I had got together would not change anybody's opinions walking into the event. However, I want to challenge you in that. Let's open our minds. He did want for us to question and examine what are our motives, our reasons for the use? Is it pure acceptance? Is it pain? Are there emotional issues? Is it just for enjoyment or relaxation? And as I was reflecting on that, I in my mind kind of continued, you know, as Christians, where should we find the answers to those needs um, and what should be our coping mechanisms? However, tonight, 
my job's to talk about the medical and biological properties. Uh, so bear with me, there's a lot. <laughs> so marijuana is not a simple one chemical drug like most pharmaceuticals out there. Um, it's a crude drug. Uh, this means that it's unrefined. There are um, lots of constituents in it, kind of the same way you get crude oil and then later refine it for use. The plant itself has up to 500 different compounds, um, depending on which particular strain. There's 60 to 100 different uh, cannabinoids. Uh, cannabinoids are the single molecules that give marijuana its effects. Um, they interact in our bodies with a system called the endocannabinoid system. And this system kind of branches out and interacts with all the other systems in our body. An interesting fact that I learned is that the, the endocannabinoid system is actually responsible for our placebo effect. So these uh, molecules, the cannabinoids, they get metabolized through your liver. The liver is a major area where most negative drug interactions happen, and there's lots possible um, with cannabis. So interactions for medical or recreational use of benzodiazepines and opioids, muscle relaxants, even antihistamines, uh, alcohol, antidepressants, antacids, uh, antibiotics, antifungals, antivirals, and special heart medicines. Um, so what are you mixing it with? And tonight we're talking about recreational marijuana use, which is different from medical marijuana use. Medical marijuana is already legal through proper channels. The Delta 9 THC is the most psychoactive cannabinoid. In average kind of street pot, it ranges about 10%, but can be as high as 30% of the compound, whereas it's much lower in medicinal marijuana. And then there is the cannabidiol, um, which is probably the one that gives most of the beneficial effects. And the proportion of these various chemicals, these are the two main ones, and remember, there's 60 to 100 of them. The proportions of them are kind of what gives us the effect. So once marijuana is publicly legal for recreational use, the difference between those is still going to be the same. You are not using medical marijuana, okay? So this is a difference. Um, so what is the drug effect? Psychologic effects of euphoria is kind of that happy, relaxed feeling, intense sensory experiences, time distortion, disinhibition. Um, you've probably all seen that stereotypical laughter um, when people are high. And however, it's followed by a depressant period. And like with any medication on the market, there are some users who experience the opposite. They get dysphoric, they have heightened anxiety, they have psychotic symptoms. There is a very narrow window of desired drug effect uh, with adverse effects surrounding it. So what happens if you smoke a joint? Within 15 minutes of smoking it, this euphoric effect can be experienced. Of course, the intensity of that depends on how deep you inhaled, how long you held the puff. And uh, I did have a patient end up his first time using marijuana, thought it would be a great experiment, ended up in emergency because he just maximized deep breaths and holding and, you know, ended up toxically ill. <laughs> so, 
A joint has three times the tar, five times the carbon monoxide, 20 times the ammonia, and three to five times the nitrous oxide and cyanide compared with a typical cigarette. One can't use a filter to smoke this uh, because the cannabinoids get caught in the filter. So if you are going to use, vaporizing it is a much safer choice. Um, there's a lower temperature and a lot of those other chemicals of um, organic burning don't uh, get inhaled. So vaporized marijuana, for example, through a bong, has much more efficient THC extraction and faster absorption. So you get peak uh, levels in your blood within about three minutes and a maximum high definitely by the 60-minute mark. And that delay is because your brain is trying to keep these drugs out. There's a blood-brain barrier and it kind of takes the drugs to be there frequently to, to pass into your brain. So to my understanding, edibles are going to remain illegal. And there's a lot of risk with these because they need to go through your digestion and we all digest differently. So time to onset, time to peak can be very unpredictable. And the recommendation is to wait 30 minutes between each bite of an edible. Likewise, I've had a patient, uh, you know, middle-aged woman should have known better, um, ended up in emergency because she just ate too much. Just this February, the BC Medical Journal reported a small case study on uh, April 20th doing an analysis, and most of the poison control center calls had actually consumed edibles. Likewise, you know, after legalization in Colorado, there was a 34% increase of calls to the poison control center and 81 visits to the merge. So, you know, the risk gets experienced. Synthetic cannabinoids are hitting the news. They have some trendy names, K2 and Spice. They mimic THC, it is not THC, but they can have severe uh, outcomes, seizures, agitation, and death. So, you know, be on your guard. Um, so, big question, brain development. It is happening until we're 25. Um, the last things that kind of develop in our brain are some of those clinical reasoning and impulse control periods. And with marijuana on board during that time, um, there's a lot of risks that increase in terms of how our brains develop. There is a two to three times increased risk of schizophrenia. Um, there is a three times increased risk of bipolar disorder. General depression kind of comes and goes both ways in terms of cause and effect with marijuana use, um, but essentially 62% increased risk of developing depression with heavy users, okay? So how does this affect us and our abilities to function in everyday life? Attention, concentration, executive function are all affected, and a study of those aged 18 to 30 did show that even after stopping use, there was on persisting cognitive deficits with uh, verbal memory. Pilots, there was a study of pilots in a flight simulator, and only one out of nine of them was actually aware of the effects that marijuana had had on their performance. At 50% of your peak high, so people just randomly say, I'm 50% I'm high, their motor skills are about the equivalent of somebody with a blood uh, alcohol level of 0.05, which in British Columbia, that's where your license gets taken away for a short time. 
driving within one hour of use increases motor vehicle accidents by two to seven times. Driving is recommended four hours after use. With edibles, they say eight hours after use. So effects outside of our brain, you're inhaling particulates. Quite surprising to me, there's been no studies. There was one, but, but in general, it's not thought to increase risks of emphysema or lung cancer, okay? However, people ex can experience more cough and phlegm. It does lower our defense against respiratory molds and bacteria. Heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes down, heart attack risk increases about three times within an hour after use. Changes to the brain with chronic use uh, increase risk of stroke. Digestive system effects, dry mouth, increased appetite are kind of common, but with chronic use, pancreatitis, progression of liver disease, cyclic vomiting syndrome is a real thing. I have had a patient uh, experience this despite what Facebook says. <laughs> so also effects on your reproductive system, uh, reduced sperm health, suppressed ovulation, effects to fertilization, transportation, implantation, fetal development and placental development. Postpartum, babies who are exposed through breast milk have been shown to have reduced motor skill development. And the only cancer found to have a increased risk is testicular cancer of a 2.6 time effect, okay? So just like other drugs, the principles of tolerance and dependence and withdrawal apply. Withdrawal symptoms can include anger, anxiety, restlessness, irritability, depressed mood, disturbed sleep, strange dreams, reduced appetite, weight loss, chills, stomach pain, shaking and sweating. And um, I did have a patient who had to travel out of country, return with intense abdominal pain, which resolved itself. And my only diagnosis was marijuana withdrawal. Um, psychologic dependence is there. In those who use marijuana during adolescence, it's uh, as high as one in six in terms of addiction rates. Cannabis use disorder is a psychiatric diagnosis where there's cognitive impairment, poor performance, giving up prior enjoyed activities, and about one in eight regular users um, develop this. So regular um, use may, depending on why you're using it, be a dysfunctional coping mechanism instead of processing and dealing with whatever the initial distress was. The emotional coping mechanisms that are healthy can become stunted. In essence, our stress tolerance is lowered. And instead of using other helpful coping mechanisms, physical activities, music and art, meaningful relationships, instead, you know, people do run that risk of self-medicating and probably to the outcome of harm. Um, so if you're somebody who has thought about self-medicating, my suggestion is please talk to your doctor. Talk about those reasons why you feel compelled to use. Um, talk about what your symptoms are. I hope you have a good doctor. If not, keep looking. And, you know, make an informed choice about why and what you're going to use. 
if you're considering recreational use. Consider not only the medical information, but your motive. Um, is recreational use a true benefit? And I think marijuana is one of those areas of multiples where what is legal is not necessarily the best ethical or moral choice. And where do we draw the line? That was Dr. Lucinda McCory giving her 15-minute presentation at our recent Let's Talk Marijuana event. Let's now hear two questions and answers that happened at this same event. The first on the idea of smoking marijuana without getting high, and the second on the good aspects, the merits of marijuana. If you don't get high, is it wrong to smoke pot? You know, so here's, here's the, I, I don't know what, because I think I, I dealt with that and I talked about, about the high thing, and, and I don't even know the medical answer to that question. That's why I never dealt with it. Okay. Uh, but here's an interesting question. Uh, let me refer to cigarettes, and then maybe we'll answer that, the high question. I would not have a difficulty if someone had a cigarette once a week. Why would I have a difficulty with that? I don't think that there would be a medical problem with having a cigarette once a week. I just don't know of anyone that has a cigarette once a week. <laughs> I, so I'm going to say in terms of marijuana, I don't know. I mean, you know, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and I grew up with a lot of stoners. You I mean, you talked about that. And I just never knew anyone who didn't get high. So that's the question that I'd like to ask. I don't know the answer to that part of the question. Um, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Because I read in your book, and it was really interesting, uh, in your book right here, I don't know the page number, but you did say that the National Highway... Traffic Administration, they were trying to find. Right. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I okay. do. Yeah. So I'm leaning heavily on other people's research here, but the National Traffic Safety Administration in the U.S. did a study that they just they concluded that it was that you achieved a high between one and three puffs. So actually, you can't know that you're not going to get high. There, there's a huge chance that you are. And I read repeatedly in other studies basically the same thing, that no one does this to avoid getting high. Whereas, <laughs> that's, that's the most profound thing you're going to hear all night. <laughs> Whereas, the reason, Dr. John and I were talking about this earlier today, and you brought it up in your talk, the reason that a Christian biblical theologian um, cannot outlaw alcohol completely, even if he or she wishes to, um, is that God has made it so that you can ingest some alcohol and have this effect that God says you'll have. Your heart will be gladdened. And that's righteous. That's a gift from God. I haven't done it for various reasons we could discuss, but that, that doesn't appear to be the case with, um, with marijuana. Yeah, and I touched a little bit on it in terms of that therapeutic window, uh, you know, how, how do you know if you're going to get too much or too little? Um, it's interesting because there's not actually a alcohol or a marijuana blood level that has a specific predicted outcome because it affects everybody differently. So unlike alcohol, where if you're at a certain percentage, you get a certain outcome, it is variable for marijuana. So e even for somebody to know, would they get high or not, it's, it, I would get high on a different amount than you would, yeah. right? That's interesting. But we're not going to find that out here. <laughs> <No. laughs> right.
Having several family members whose lives have been transformed by cannabis, which is, I don't know exactly what that means exactly, but it is disheartening to hear a doctor um, to talk about cannabis and then only recite negative effects of its use. How do you expect other doctors to safely guide their patients when there is little to no training about its merits? And there's little to no training about the merits because there's little evidence about the merits. And so, yeah, I have patients who have told me they have had benefits, um, but I've only had short-term relationships with them to see how it's affecting them. Um, and I already question the benefits. I'm not saying that medicine has an answer to everything. Um, I don't know, I'm just reflecting now on issues of suffering and is where is God when we suffer? What is our response to the suffering in, term, in terms of, you know, the reasons why people use it mm. um, medically? And, and certainly, you know what, like if you think you have a medical reason to use marijuana, find somebody to talk about the concern with. Please don't self-medicate. Could I add, um, I'm not that kind of doctor, and so don't have that authority, but I tried to therefore humble myself and listen to the people who do. Yeah. And what I have thought a lot about is epistemology. How can we justify our knowledge? And um, almost, I mean, any individual is going to, by definition, be guilty of insufficient sampling Okay, our experience in this area cannot be broad enough to draw the kind of conclusion that a country, you know, uh, can really rely on. We need the tools of empirical science, um, the, the double-blind peer-reviewed studies spread out over different populations, controlling for different factors and existing health and the age of the patient and, you know, other drugs that they're taking. And that's very expensive and difficult to do and requires a lot of training. The National Academy of Sciences in the US did a review of reviews of studies. They got together about 24,000 different papers, narrowed it down to the ones that look like they're gonna provide uh, some facts. And they basically found that yes, there are some therapeutic advantages. It, um, in adults with chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, oral cannabinoid, can, cannabinoids, are effective anti-emetics to keep you from vomiting. In adults with chronic pain, patients who are treated with cannabis are more likely to experience a clinically significant reduction in pain symptoms. It also helped with um, short-term with multiple sclerosis. And then this is what they said. These are not Christians. They're not being secretly paid by Back to the Bible Canada to say what will please evangelicals, as far as I know. Um, and their conclusion was- We don't was, have any money. <laughs> We're gonna pass the plate after this. <laughs> For these conditions that I've just named, the effects of cannabinoids are modest. For all other conditions evaluated, there is inadequate information to assess their effects. So I never wanna be cruel to someone and say, you're lying, your relative wasn't really helped by cannabis, I don't know that. Maybe they were greatly helped, and I'm glad. God gives such good gifts, even when we're twisting them, he's still good to us, he causes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But when I listen to the most responsible people, degrees from Harvard and all the most you know, elevated, uh, accredited places in American society, this is what they're telling me. Those, are, those positive effects are modest, and anything else you hear someone claim, there's inadequate evidence for it right now. Mm 
Yeah, and I agree. Um, yes, two days ago, I pulled out of my mailbox the new Canadian Medical Association journal, right on the front cover, marijuana. Basically, you know, different people doing a different meta-analysis, but it was the same findings. And uh, yeah, very interesting. An area for much more research. That was Dr. Lucinda McCorry giving her 15-minute presentation at our Let's Talk Marijuana event. And then that was followed by hearing myself, Dr. John Newfeld from Back to the Bible Canada, Dr. Mark Ward from Logos Bible Software in Bellingham, Washington in the States, and then Dr. McCorry doing some uh, Q&A at that very same event. At Endowed, we've done quite a bit of work on the whole, you know, Christian and marijuana issue, primarily recreational uh, marijuana. Uh, you can head to our site and you can find, you know, relevant articles and podcasts and even watch our entire Let's Talk Marijuana event. I, I think now just back, you know, a few months ago now or maybe a couple months ago when I got to talk to Pastor Jeff Lassine in Portland. And it was very, I loved the conversation because here is a pastor that is, you know, pastoring this church in a state, Oregon, that has had recreational marijuana uh, legal for the past, I guess, three years now. So he was able to speak into it in a kind of this pastoral way and also from a uh, sort of a, a testimony way because he, you know, was an, he would say that he was a, he would call himself a stoner for quite a while before he actually, uh, you know, got the call to the pastorate and obviously stopped smoking and different things like that. So I'd encourage you to go to indoubt.ca and check out our different articles. And when we're talking about uh, the important issue of recreational marijuana, and the reason why we're talking about it so much is because, as you know, unless you've been hiding under a rock for a while, uh, the government of Canada has decided to create a plan and begin to you know, legalize and will legalize sometime this year, probably, unless they push it back more, the recreational use of marijuana. And I think it's important that we as Christians think differently than maybe the rest of the world would think when it comes to, uh, you know, if if we should or shouldn't engage with recreational marijuana. And what I'm trying to get at is this idea that as Christians, we need to not just think practically about it, but we have to think spiritually about it at the same time. Um, you know, as Christians, we are called, you know, into this new life because of Jesus Christ and our new life demands new thoughts. Our new life actually demands a holy thinking. And when I say holy, I mean an H-O-L-Y, this different, it's a set apart kind of thinking. It's a, it's a kind of thinking that your agnostic or your atheist or your even your Buddhist friend um, doesn't engage in. It's a kind of thinking that, that seeks and sets its mind on, you know, the pure, the perfect, and the passionate and powerful um, worship of God, uh, which is untouched by any kind of, any kind of sin. We actually delve into this topic of holy thinking um, in more detail um, on a recent article that we've published at In Doubt, and it's sort of taken from well, I shouldn't say it's sort of. It is taken from uh, something that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae uh, way back in the first century. And he says this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in 
glory. So don't forget the spiritual fact that you are a son or daughter of God and you are to set your mind on the heavenly things, to set your hope fully on this, the grace that is to come when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I think if we filter our understanding of recreational marijuana through that, it will definitely help. Anyways, if InDoubt is a ministry that you'd like to financially donate to, that'd be awesome. Just click the donate button at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Connect with us online this week at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to let us know your story, your topics, or guests that you'd like to hear. You can do that by direct messaging us on any of those networks. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we talk with Dr. Gordon Wilson, the host of a new nature documentary called The Riot and the Dance. Seriously, this is like the BBC's Planet Earth documentary every Christian has been waiting for. And I even ask him, are animals sinners? See you then. InDoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.